Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. Welcome Welcome to to the the new EDU. podcast. We are just so excited to be able to create a space for educators, which by the way, let's just break down what educator actually means this day. What does educator actually time. mean? I Basically, have no clue anymore. educator means that if you have a human who is I was going to say 18 and under, but nowadays it's more along 25 and (laughs) under. But if you have a human that is in school currently during this thing that we call COVID-19 quarantine global pandemic, you, my friend, are an educator. I I think even after quarantine, I mean, forever, you're an educator. And I think quarantine has actually opened our minds up to say, we're all teachers all the time. It just looks very different than what the traditional educator has been told it's supposed to look like. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I don't think that everybody is celebrating the fact that they are now an educator the way that I think they should be celebrating mm-hmm. that they're an educator. Right. But we're so excited about creating a space for all of you, all educators, whether you are an educator in the classroom, this is what you have chosen as a profession, whether you happen to be a parent who has all of a sudden become an educator in your homeschool classroom, whether you are supporting a student through a hybrid model or whatever it may be, welcome to this space for you. We are so excited to be able just to have a space to chat about all the things, all things working with kids and what that looks like because let me tell you, every day is different with children. So this is a space to have all these conversations. But um, for all of our friends out there, we're just going to call them friends. Yeah, I don't know. our we community. We have, community. Yeah, we have you. We are proud to be part of it. We just want to start kind of by introducing ourselves, telling right. you who we are, what we do. So do you want to start by introducing yourself? I'm an educator. Uh, my name is Wade uh, King. Obviously. So you're going to tell them you're an educator before your name. <laughs> your name. So there's there's identity. a straight a little identity indicator. Into yeah. We need to uh, adjust some priorities a little go. bit. But, um, well, I didn't know what to say. You know, this podcast thing is very different for us. And it's, it's weird because I'm used to talking in front of children or adults. And I'm talking in front of nothing except a microphone. Well, that's okay. They'll get to know us very quickly if they don't already <laughs> and recognize that this is going right. to this is who we are and yeah. there is no formalities here whatsoever. There's none. There's none. none. There are but no yeah, rules. Um, there are no formalities. It is what it is, folks. So, I'm I'm a South Carolinian, grew up in South Carolina near the coast. Um I uh, am an educator as well, but uh grew up near the coast. Uh, near North Myrtle Beach, but then I shifted to the Clemson area throughout my life. Um, had a pretty uh, different upbringing throughout my life. I uh, was uh, physically abused really bad when I was younger. Age of three, I was taken out of the home. I was put into uh, my grandparents' care, and uh, my grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she passed away after we went for a long trip to Athens, Greece. Um, 
What is really crazy is going to Athens, I remember every little thing in Athens, Greece. I was like three or four at the time. And I remember the goats on the mountains. I remember the smell of the fresh bread. I remember the soldiers in their traditional outfits till this day. And what's really remarkable about that experience is one of the, I'm an educator, obviously, but one of my favorite things to teach is ancient history. And I think that really plays a role into experiences. And that's kind of what we're going to talk to you guys today about, about positive and negative experiences, but our upbringing as well. Um, going back, I uh, was, when my grandmother passed away, I was taken into my aunt and uncle's care in North Carolina. So shifted up there, moved there. Then when they graduated from their universities, we moved back to South Carolina near the Clemson area. Then they decided to get divorced, um, but I had a pretty typical childhood from first grade to fifth grade while I lived with them. And what was um, really remarkable is I have great experiences from that too. I, I remember Christmas, I remember birthday parties, I remember um, just sleepovers and watching Power Rangers in the morning time. I mean, I remember those things and they stick with me because they were so joyful and they were so positive. Um, when my aunt and uncle, uncle got divorced, I uh, had to go live with my uncle in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He didn't really, he was never really there and he would go on these lavish vacations, um, spent all of our money and I ended up having to fend for myself, slept on park benches. But one uh, fascinating component is that I would always just go to school and it was a sense of consistency, something that, that you and I are very passionate about, about being consistent, about being there, about picking it up when it's hard. And I would go to school because it was a consistent place of safety for me. I wasn't a great student. I was a pretty good student, decent student. But it was, I guess, epiphanies in, in 10th grade that I figured that, you know what, I, I need something consistent in my life. I need to be able to give back. And I went to a Bible study one night. I realized, you know what, ain't no one going to be there for me, but Jesus and um, teachers, the two constant, the, the constants that well, had been in my first, life the whole I, time. I've got to just stop the story right here because what is that? you're trying to sound all holy, which, listen, our faith is a big part of who we yes. are, but let's not just act like you went to Bible study okay. that night well, for the sake yeah. of finding mm. the Lord mm. and really <laughs> hone in on what <sighs> got you to the well, Bible study. So I mean, it's an important factor trying it to is, leave out It is very important. So... I'm in 10th grade. Um, I'm hanging around. Luckily, I, I hung around great individuals. These people, they were part of my wrestling team, my friends. They, uh, Some of them are marine biologists now, but they were just killing it. They invited me to a Bible study, and I didn't really want to go because my uncle, I forgot I left this out, he was uh, a pastor, and he got kicked out of the United Methodist Church because of all the things he was doing. And I said, nah, I've, I've kind of been turned off of that religion thing. And so they said, well, girls are going to be there. There it is. There so, it is. So 10th grade, you know. of the story, parents, if you have a 10th grade boy, boy that's right. who you're struggling to get somewhere, you know, bribery at its best, just tell them. It works. We went and uh, the youth pastor shared a Bible verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 that night. Uh, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And it was in that moment that I said, you know what? Oh, my gosh. Who knows where I would be right now if I if I didn't have him walking with me this whole entire way? And it was in 10th grade, and I said, you know what? I have to be able to give back. I have I have to be able to serve. There was only one way that I knew how to serve, and, it, and I knew I couldn't become Jesus. So I was like, you know what? I guess I'm going to become a teacher. And not it's the next best thing to it's God. It's the next, yeah. <laughs> it is the <laughs> next. Teachers are not 
given the credit or the Not at all. visibility or the praise that they deserve. I think a lot of parents understand that now. One though. of our good friends, Jody Carrington, Dr. Jody Carrington, she calls it holy work. Mm. And to me, that is the next, mm. that's right up there with the, you know, I feel like Amen. educators have a special place there we go. in the heart of the Lord and in heaven, for sure. For well, sure. a lot of people thought that when quarantine started, well, but now they want everyone to go back. And there's a whole nother conversation oh, right go. there that we could, that's for another day. Yeah. The, the moral of why I'm speaking on this is just to understand that experiences throughout your life lead you to what you're called to do and what your purpose is. And I realized at a very young age that I didn't fall in love with with education. I didn't fall in love with teaching. I fell in love with serving and figuring out a way to best do that, and it was through education. And that's what I've committed my life to because I know it's a it's a vessel to be able to help people and to encourage people. And long story short, ended up finishing high school barely uh, uh went to met you at anderson university yeah uh you were running cross country I, I wrestled there and we both graduated from there and we've taught together at many different schools and states and everywhere else and that's pretty much it i guess that's that that's me no, but I think it's so important that when you are reflecting, I think a lot of us don't even revisit our past and what mm. happened in our life to think about how that plays a role in the classroom or parenting with our children and how those experience, experiences truly play a part in our right. everyday life. We don't reflect enough on, you know, our upbringings. And mine was completely different than yours. I mean, we couldn't be yeah, but what's, what's totally different. And, and we talk about this often. It your upbringing was completely different than mine. I mean, you still have both of your parents are actually still together, which is an anomaly in itself, but they are wonderful people. Um, but we still came together. We're sitting here doing this podcast together. What we do in life, the foundation of what we do is, is very similar. Yeah. But we're very different people. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, I grew up in a completely different situation. Like you mentioned, I had both of my parents in the home. We were very involved in church. That was that was our thing. I, you know, my dad was a deacon on the board, and we were there when the doors opened, when the doors closed. My mom and I would take over children's programs and Christmas musicals, and that is literally where we spent, you know, my life, my childhood. That's where my best friends were. That's where our families were. We would go out to eat every Sunday after church. Um, and that was, you know, school, yes, was a thing for me. I enjoyed school, but for me, it was church. You know, I had a pretty normal childhood. I have an older sibling. I have a brother. And, but the thing about, you know, this, even now as I'm talking and reflecting a little bit just on how my experiences being raised has affected or has impacted how I teach, how I parent, we as a family, did a lot of experiences. And that was our thing, is we would go places or we would travel. My Good Lord. My father, y'all, if you ever want to go on, like, the trip of a lifetime, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to call it a vacation. I'm going to call it an experience because when you come home, you need a vacation for two weeks to mm. recover. Um, <laughs> for example, we went out west. I can't even tell you how many thousands of miles that we traveled in a car we went to the Grand Canyon. We went to, um, oh, goodness, I'm trying to think of all of the places. Yellowstone, Yellowstone Park. We went to San Francisco, maybe? San Francisco. We went to Disneyland. We went. There were so many places that we tried, and that was in one 
trip, one trip, but experiences. That was a part of my childhood growing up. My mom and her best friend, they owned businesses, so they were entrepreneurs. And um, I just was, you know, my parents definitely did not create a life around their children. We what, fit what type into of business? So you, you mentioned because you remember their businesses. Um, what type of business did your mom do? <laughs> what did my mom not do? That's an easier question <laughs> she, to answer. My mother is a jack of all trades, for lack of a better term. That woman can do anything, and I mean anything. I don't care what it is. If you told she will her, it out. she will figure it out. She is a problem solver. She is like stem before there was stem like that is her she wallpapered home she cleaned she had her own cleaning business she baked and decorated wedding cakes her and her best friend own a sock company that's what the sock yeah the creatively the called cuffs but if you remember back in the day these come on some people oh, are going to connect to this gracious. some people are going to connect to this but it is where you would roll the socks over and you know everything was splatter painted and painted and so they had those puff paints mm. that now teenagers like to paint shirts with you know for fun oh yes and they would puff paint all of these designs on socks and attach lace and glitter and that was what they i mean and they the thing about these two ladies Tammy and my mom they were all in like 100% in so they would stay up all night that neither one of them requires sleep pretty sure they're like Edward Bell, like they're on twilight level, like What vampires. would you do during this time? That's what I'm curious about. Well, sometimes Shannon, my best friend Shannon and I, who was also Tammy's daughter, um, we would decorate socks, we would paint, we would play baby dolls. Most of the time I'd be playing school, believe it or not. Ah. We would sleep under the tables of wherever the, I mean, I kid you not, like one Sunday, this is how, this is my life in a nutshell. One Sunday at church, we're all sitting there because, you know, this is back when kids would sit in service for a little while and then go off to kids' church. Mm -hmm. And um, we look over at my dad, and he literally has glitter on his face. That dad? That my dad had glitter, like, How? in his nose. Oh, from the... From the glitter was everywhere. <laughs> like, the e house everywhere from the crafts Ooh. of the cuffs business, of the socks with the lace bigger than your kneecaps. Like... That was back, you know, the, when the frills matched the dresses and the dresses matched the socks and you had hair bows. And so they made all that stuff. Wow. So really for me, between the experiences that my dad created when we took trips, excursions, not vacations, mm. and what my mom did and how I followed her literally everywhere has really and truly, people say, where did you get this joy for teaching? Where did you... Really, I'm just following in the footsteps of how I was raised because when I teach, when I'm educating kids, I like to teach by creating experiences. That's why I do things like transform my room into Super Mario Brothers or to Ninja Turtles or to whatever their interests right. are because mm -hmm. that is what I find joy in doing. And so, um, you know, my experiences as a child, they play a role in how I, how I parent Maverick. I mean, even trying to create experiences for him as young as he is. And I know everybody says, he's never going to remember it. Well, I do, but I, I remember it. <laughs> and so creating experiences, that's kind of how my upbringing has led to where I am today as an educator, as a parent. Um, and that, I think those two things are really the things that shaped and molded me. With, with experiences, it's I think it's important to note that no matter who you are, what type of person you are, you can remember and reflect on super positive experiences and experiences that were just difficult, very hard, very sad. And it's our job as teachers and everybody right now, you're an educator, no matter who you are. And we've got to get that mindset in that it's our job to provide a more positive experience for our kids than there are negative ones. 
And, and that doesn't mean that you can not redirect your child or you can't provide discipline for your child, but it needs to be a more positive take on what, especially during this time period. And I love what you just said about, yeah, I make these sensory bins for Maverick. And people are like, why are you doing that? Because he's only one year old. He'll never remember it. Of course he won't remember it. But if you're not a happy person, if you're not a happy teacher, if you're not a happy parent, you're not going to enjoy your time. And so sometimes it is for you. Sometimes yeah. the experiences are Find for you. Find ways to, you know, we talk to educators about this all the time, but I'm seeing it and being a parent too. Right. Find ways that make you excited to teach and use those to instruct in your classroom, even, even virtually. Even if you know what? If, it, if you loved creating experiences for your kids, set up a room transformation behind your camera, your camera, and create a, a virtual room transformation for your kids. But the same is true of parents. Find things that you, that really you enjoy doing. It doesn't always have to be about your child. Find things that make you excited. Find things that you really draw joy from and bring those into how you parent. You know, for you, I think that you could dwell on, you know, your upbringing of one of the things I admire most about you is how looking at your past, you could dwell on that and say, you know, well, I was abused and and use that as a negative, you know, aspect of parenting. But instead you're like, you know, I couldn't control what my parents did to me, but I can control how I raised. And so I think you have found a lot of power in that how you can take a situation that you were dealt and that you couldn't control, but how now you can use that and say, you know, even though as as tragic as it was, and mm-hmm. not that we would ever wish your situation on right. any human, but you were dealt that, and that's what you you couldn't control that. But now you can control how those experiences drive you to mm-hmm. want to create positive experiences with Maverick, and you know, form a really good relationship and a solid relationship, and kind of break the stigma of you know mm-hmm. you were abused, and so now what are you going to what are you going to do with that? I think a lot of times with that mentality, it's very easy and it'll be very easy for anybody, including myself, to say, I'm going to try to overcompensate because of what happened to me. And one thing that I was taught by one of my coaches actually a long time ago was I he, he said this a lot, almost every week at practice, he would say, I'm going to make sure that I prepare you for your your future and not my past. And that has stuck with me ever since because it is easy to take your personal experiences from your past and kind of put them on your kids, on your students. But you constantly have to reflect on that and you have to say, yeah, I can use that to learn and I can use that to to drive me. But this child in front of me, they've never experienced those things. And so trying hard. I think that's the hardest thing to do, especially with upbringings and having different types of personalities in the home is understanding what your past is and how to effectively use it instead of trying to overcompensate and put that on the kids that are in front of you. It's very hard. It's very difficult, but it's very important to be reflective of and and take that time to understand what's going on inside of the home, outside, whatever you're doing to make sure that you are staying true to that uh, phrase or that quote that, hey, listen, it's not my past I'm pre- preparing my kids for, it's for their future. I can use that 
to guide me, drive me, whatever it is, making sure we stay true to that. Well, and one thing that about this podcast is that you and I are kind of open books. Like we're not afraid to share no. our struggles. Right. We're not afraid to share things that have been difficult for us. And, you know, I think that we need to normalize those conversations, normalize talking about moments when we needed to find strength from someone else, or we needed to, you know, go to therapy to work through mm -hmm. issues, or we needed, we need to really normalize these conversations and stop making it seem like when you're asking for help or when you're really struggling, that that makes you weak and that that's a weakness of you and that's something wrong with you. And so just kind of talking about this and talking about, you know, whether it be parenting or teaching, you make it seem kind of sound like it's easy, like, oh, you know, draw from your past, yes, but, and, and have it impact how you educate or how you parent. But have you have you had moments of struggle with your past mm -hmm. that you've had to work through in some way, shape or form with maybe with parenting specifically, because I know that's probably more closely related to your experience too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely is. And, and you reflect on that. Well, I say you, I, I mean me. I reflect on that a lot. It's things that I still work through. And obviously with experiences throughout your life, you, you can be, you can have traumatic experiences and you, have, you can have great experiences. Where you have to have that communication, I guess, with your spouse, with a friend, with a parent, whoever it is, to, to kind of talk you through it. And like you said, it's not necessarily a weakness. It's owning how you feel because those are real feelings. Those are real memories. Those are real components that are now seared into your brain that you really have to understand and, and be able to use those. I think when with raising Maverick, I am very cognizant of how I talk to him. Uh, and that's learning from my past. Um, when I say I was abused, I was abused very bad, badly. And I never want that to happen to Maverick. But I'm also understanding that Maverick is a one and a half year old toddler running around and he does need redirection. But what does that look like? What does Maverick respond to? How can I say things with love? And I think that's what we've talked about a lot too, is expect the best from your spouse, the best of intentions. And so using what I have experienced through my life is definitely how I parent. Hope, Hope jokes with me all the time <laughs> with, for you. with I uh, bring it up, but I how I pop his you. hand and I just barely <laughs> pop. I can't pop his hand. No, but it's just. But I'm so, I'm so, y'all, I'm so helicopter parent. Oh, it's not my word, y'all. To be an Ed, there it but is. I, had, I was, but we everyone needed know, this that, revelation. On, we needed this moment on the podcast. No, nah, this is not right revelation. Now. This is something everyone knows. <laughs> That is my that is my baby. That is my baby. Guys, and I will make sure guys, that he is okay all the time. And I'm working through it. Y'all have no idea. And so this is this is the point of this episode is that you know we draw from our past experiences and Wade and I come from two completely different backgrounds, yet we have we have the same goal in mind, right? Like we want to raise Maverick to be a an amazing human being in every way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. right? Wade will tell you that second to that, he's got to be an athlete. Okay. But we're not, we're not, he's Maverick can do what Maverick wants to do and, what, and what fills he, his heart with whatever joy. Whatever makes him happy. But That's my baby. we have the same goal in mind, but how we get there is completely different. And I think that this is what is so important in education, whether you're talking about the teacher next door to you or the teacher down the hall, or whether you're parenting together, is to always assume the best of your spouse or right. the best of that teacher that mm -hmm. they ultimately have an end goal in mind. And this is hard to do, y'all, because let me tell you why. Wade just mentioned, I just want you to say it again for the friends. Say it again. You're what? what kind of parent? 
I'm a helicopter parent. Okay, so like, Wade I am and I all have over really had to work through this. And when I tell you that I struggle remembering that, and I have to remind myself, like, I need to write it on a sticky note, I don't know, and put it on the refrigerator, that Wade King has the best of intentions and that we have the same end goal in mind. We're just getting about to that end goal in a different way because... Literally, I am more of the parent that I want to get on Maverick's level. I look at. I'm not saying you don't do these things. I know you're about to say I do those things too. We we all know. We all know. I do but that often. We know what you do, Wade. But what I'm saying is, I I just feel like Wade. You know, because of his past and because of his personality too, and how that he has grown up and how all of his experiences have impacted him. He he just prefers to maybe let Maverick get away with most things. And when Maverick cries, Wade picks him up. And when Maverick whines, Wade picks him up. And when Maverick even remotely grimaces on his face, Wade does whatever Maverick wants to do. You, what did you just say? You said you make him what? I make him say please. You make him sign please because he can't even <laughs> say please. Yeah, he's, he rubs his belly, please. Please. It is the cutest darn thing. But I'm more like, no, you're going to sit there and you're going to have your tantrum and you're going to recognize that I don't give attention to that. Oh, and I got to run away. And what, I can't handle it. Guys, we're still, Maverick is 16 months. We're still working through this. That's all we said. We we wanted to create this space where we walk this journey with you. And we are not saying by any stretch of the imagination that we have it all worked out. No. But... When you are parenting or when you are on a team with somebody teaching, it is so important to get to know them, to get to know their background, to get to know who they are, because that helps you seek to understand rather than just seek to react. And if we're seeking to understand our spouse, our partner, our, our you know, our colleague first, then we're going to be able to find solutions to issues that arise, whether it be, and there's going to be issues that arise. We're going to have disagreements. We not have them daily with parenting, especially right now as we're kind of working through this and learning through things and we talk through them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to have issues that arise with your colleagues. There is no perfect work scenario. There is no perfect workplace. You're never going to see eye to eye with another human because there's never going to be another human just like you. So getting to know the background, and that is why relationships is such an important part, not only of education, when you're working with kids, getting to know the kids, but getting to know the people who also impact them, their parents, the the other educators. Yeah, that's what I was going to, yeah. Getting to know anyone you are involved with, whoever is in your circle is crucial. I mean, beyond just their experiences, but the culture and, and especially going with the education route, like you were saying, the this virtual thing, this is the hardest time to get to know the kids on the other side of the screen at the beginning of the school year. Right. I mean, to assume the best in someone, I think, is one of the most important lessons when you are developing connections, establishing relationships. Because if I didn't know your background and know why you parent Mm. the way that you do, I would literally lose my mind. Right. Like, I would want to strangle you Mm -hmm. daily, hourly, because it would drive me crazy. But I would just think that you're you're just a mean person. That's what I would think. (laughs) You better clarify that right now. You better clarify that. That that mama's just sitting, letting that baby cry and pitch a fit. Golly. Well, you know, it is what it is. I don't get. I just don't give attention to fits. I don't. I don't have time for that in my life. No, but we do have completely opposite styles of parenting, but our end goal is the same. And I think that's going to make for Maverick to be a better human because he's going to be more well-rounded because he's going to have a lot of different people investing their best parts of themselves into him. Also our worst parts. And those are things that we're going to have to work through. But, you know, 
especially like you said with virtual teaching. Oh my gosh, I saw this thing on Facebook the other day and I've actually been on a social media cleanse, to be honest, would highly recommend it. Haven't been on social media in a week, kind of been fasting it just because I needed to get in a better headspace. But that's more, that's another episode for a different day. But before my social media cleanse, I saw this thing on Facebook and it literally, I cried, I cried. And y'all are going to get to know us better if you, you don't cried? already. Okay. I didn't know you cried. I cried. This happens? This happens, guys. I'm not an extremely emotional, well, I'm an emotional individual, but I don't show emotion in the form of crying. I'm not a crier. Yeah. Yeah, you are emotional. You're, but, you're, I was going to say, no, you're passionate, but you're- Well, I am you, passionate, but too. But you, you are a very emotional person. But, person. I saw, but I saw this thing on Facebook, and it just literally broke my heart and made me cry so much because it, it was a daughter. I mean, I don't know the whole story, and so, I, but it was a daughter who posted something on Twitter that you might have seen it, but it ended up going viral, and it said it was to students, and it was to virtual students, and I'm, it was in specifically high school students in this situation, but she said, please, or students, please be kind to your teachers because her dad was, she named his age, I want to say he was like 50 something years old and he is new to technology and technology is not his strong suit, but that he is giving it 100% his best effort. She said that he was reaching out to people and he's trying to figure it out. And my heart just went out to that Mm -hmm. educator because I'm like, I can just see, but I see this in educators all over, but I I just visualized this, this gentleman who loves his kids, loves his job, but he has this new barrier in the way, but he's working past it for the love of his kids. And I'm like, instead of as, you know, parents assuming, well, that educator just didn't, that was a terrible lesson. I heard that lesson. It was a terrible lesson. Or there were so many technology. To assume the best in that educator. To I mean, you know, this is for your spouse too, and this goes for all relationships. But I'm like, that broke my heart because I could just see that gentleman literally staying up all night, doing whatever doing it, it takes. Doing and then someone saying something negative right. when they don't even see the whole picture. It's like that iceberg image, right? You see the tip of the iceberg, but you don't see everything underneath that they've mm. done. You just see the, the the tip of it. And I think this is true of, you know, things that we see on social media and people being negative to parents for, I can't believe that you would choose for your child to go back to school in a live version. Don't you know there's a global pandemic? Duh. If you even ask that question, what? <laughs> what? Who are you? Yes, they know there's a global pandemic. They're doing what is best for their kid. Oh, oh, you're you're too afraid of the virus. You're too scared to send your kids back. What a horrible what a horrible parent. They need social interaction. You don't think that parent knows that? Like, I think that society could benefit so much from assuming the best and recognizing that they don't get to see all of the experiences that have made you Wade, mm-hmm. all of the experiences that have made me myself, the teacher next door, all of the experiences that have made her, the, you know, whoever it may be, assuming the best, I think is one of the biggest practices that we need to put into place. And I mean, even as a parent, and you've said this too, I mean, both of us, and we, I mean, our son isn't in school yet, obviously. Um, he's just walking and falling outside all the time. But what what we have recently... Which, if you couldn't already tell in his voice, that panics, that every time I mean, Maverick his, even his, gets a scratch. His poor little knees. Now, you, you got Wade's like, I'm going to get him knee pad. Got, no, but no, no, no. You got to admit. But, 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 what about his knees but, last night? No, okay. I get it. It was so sad. But pre-kids, pre-kids, I'm going to make him tough. I'm gonna. Jeez. I would if he falls and scrapes. Get up and brush it off. Well, that's and now the point. it's like, oh baby, oh, you know, oh your knee yeah. hurts. That I mean, really. and that's and, and that's and that's what I kind of want to like hone in on. And I'm right not now. knocking anybody who does that, guys, because I'm assuming the best right. in you. Okay. 
the the one thing that I think both of us have really realized is, especially teaching, I have a totally different perception of teaching kids now because I am a parent. Even though Maverick is such a it's such a young age, I can see Maverick and the kids that I teach in front of me, and how I talk to them, how I interact with them, is more like a parent would. And I also feel like that the parents now sitting at home having to do this virtual hybrid thing, they're seeing the same thing with teachers. So we're starting to see, well, teachers are starting to see what parents go through. Parents are starting to see a little bit what teachers go through and vice versa all the time. But it's understanding that these experiences that you're going through right now actually shape you to understand each other a little bit more and have empathy for each other. And I think if we focus on that, like you said just a second ago, focus on the best of intentions on, hey, this person is doing the best that they can for their child because they love their child. And the same thing for teachers. The teachers are doing the best that they can for these kids because they want what's best for these kids because they genuinely love these kids. And that doesn't need some reprimand. We need more cheerleaders out there to lift each other up. And then when people ask for advice, maybe that's when we can lean it, lean in a little bit more. But you can't do that if you don't foster relationships with those people in the first place. But I mean, you know, I was going to say too, it's it's the whole, all these cliche things, but that I think people say, oh, they're cliche, but they don't actually live by them. You know, walk, don't judge until you've walked a mile in someone else's shoes. You know, like criticism comes from the cheapest seats because it's always from the people who want to criticize you, but are they actually investing in your child's mm. life and how are they doing so, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that all of this just open-mindedness, really leading with love, making decisions with love um, during this time specifically, and just recognizing that, again, you haven't walked the same path. You haven't walked the same life. You don't know every experience that is causing that educator or that parent to make that decision. And so I think this is so important as we do navigate this virtual learning experience, whether you're, a, and, and from both perspectives, from that of a parent, from that of an educator, you know, even when um, your child is on a virtual lesson with someone, even when they are with an educator. As a parent, listening to that, listen, even if it's the worst lesson possible, mm -hmm. you don't know what that educator put into creating that lesson, okay? So until you do, you don't want to sit there and make those kind of accusations and make those kind of statements about that teacher like, Man, well, no wonder, no wonder you're laying down. No wonder you don't want to go to class. No wonder you're so tired. No wonder you don't want to. That that doesn't seem fun at all. I wouldn't love that as a kid either. We have to stop that completely. And even if it wasn't the best lesson that you've ever seen, or even if it wasn't a lesson that would interest you, man, I love that Miss <laughs> Smith. She got on today and she gave you all her energy. Wow, what an what an amazing opportunity that you have an educator that cares so much about you. It's reframing. What we're saying, listen, uh, who was it? Our friend Morgan told us you can control your first, you can't control your first thought, you can control, but you can control yeah. your second and you can certainly control what comes out of your mouth. Right. So I'm not saying that you're not going to have these thoughts as parents during this pandemic, right? Um, this is true of our, what we think about our kids too, but I'm not saying you're not going to have these thoughts, but it's all about how you are rephrasing, reframing because to your kid, that changes everything. Because yep. if, if you're sitting here saying, oh, yeah, that was a horrible lesson. I could see why you wouldn't want to. Every morning they're going to wake up doing what? They're not going to want to get on. They're going to be 
But even you said, Mom, Miss Smith is so boring. I don't want to be here. It's going to have, it's a bad attitude. You've got to fill it with positivity and vice versa. Yeah, we tell. With teachers trying to understand that, parents, we see you. We know that you're working from home. We know that you're trying to cook dinner, keep the house clean. You're trying to do your job. You've got multiple kids. You're trying to manage this new thing that you've never done before. So as the educators know that we also are trying to assume the best in you, and that's where that that true relationship is going to come and how we're all going to be able to use both sides of experiences to develop this, yeah. this I mean, this, this is a great opportunity to get to know your child even more. I'm, we, we tell teachers all the time that there's probably a content area that you do not love to teach, but you cannot tell your kids, oh, I hate reading too, or I hate writing, but we just got to get through it, right? If you do that, you could potentially be limiting the the next Stephen King inside of your classroom. And so the same goes for your child inside of your home. Maybe your child will love U.S. history or whatever the content area is this year. To talk negatively about a teacher or a subject area is limiting the potential that your child may have. And we want to encourage you guys, focus on the positive, focus on what you can control. And those are the things... It absolutely come out of your mouth. But remember, it's like you said earlier, we're not educating them for our oh, past. Yeah. We're educating them for their future. Right. So I don't care what, you don't, what like. you don't like and what you were mm-hmm. bad at and what you, unless you're going to use that to tell a story of, but I, I worked through it and look at what I did and here's how I overcame that. Yes, of course, sharing your experiences, right? But we don't want to dictate our own students their perceptions and their opinions on certain experiences because of our past. Mm -hmm. And so since we are focusing on how experiences have molded us, have shaped us, but, you know, we can't allow our negative negative experiences with school or with education or whatever it may be to then dictate our child's opinion or have an influence on their opinion, right? We want for our child to be able to determine what they like themselves and what they don't like themselves. We're not saying they're going to have to like everything. Um, but just not allowing those experiences to drive, trying to force an opinion upon. Yeah, one, one of the hardest things being a teacher, I think, like during our first five or six years, I think hope was getting parents into the school building for those academic nights. And it wasn't because, I mean, there were a lot of different factors going on. But I think a lot of the times it was the negative perception that some of these parents had when they were going through school. Absolutely. I mean, School was not a fun place for me. I didn't, I wasn't excited. Why did I go? Because it was consistent, but I was not excited to learn. I, it wasn't one of those things that I was just super passionate about. And I want our community right now that's listening to think about what was your experience like through school? If it was great, why was it great? How can you encourage your child to make it that type or how can you encourage your environment and your and, and the experiences you provide for your child to make it a, a, a great time for your kid and a, and a great time for learning? If it was negative, well, why was it negative? Maybe we don't do those things. We can learn from the negative experiences and positive experiences through our life and applying those to, to be the best we can and to encourage the people around us, our families, our friends, our colleagues to be the best that they can too. And sometimes just allowing your child to make their own and formulate their own opinions and supporting that, whatever it is. And even if you agree or you disagree. And educated, yes, an educated opinion. Absolutely. 
100%. Yeah, and I think that's so important is that mm-hmm. as parents, we're constantly trying to say, well, I want my child to do this or think this way because that's how I thought. Mm. Let them be their own human. Mm-hmm. Let them be their own. And that's what makes the world a beautiful place. You could, by trying to force your specific idea or your specific opinion, and listen, I'm not talking about morals, values, beliefs, like what we instill in, with, within our child, um, you know, just as far as religious beliefs and those types of things. I mean, obviously, those are what ground families and those are what make you mm-hmm. who you are. I'm talking about opinions about things like education and like school and like certain content and courses and activities and things of that nature where allow them to be their own individual, allow them to make their own choices and their own selections and support that. Um, I think that that's that's so important, you know, as parents and as educators too, um, just kind of playing almost like a devil's advocate, not like a devil's advocate, but not really, what am I trying to say? Not really choosing. Yeah. I mean, just giving them the information and supporting them. Um, but yeah, not necessarily playing devil's advocate because we're not big proponents Thank you. of that. I know you're gonna say it. That's why. I know yeah, you did. That's why I took she, it back. She learned. She learned from from my social studies lessons. And that's why I took it back. But, but yeah, I mean, it's allow your kids to to be humans and to, to learn and to express what they learn and become their own individual people. And I think you know, as educators and as parents, too, starting to predict, you know, as we're talking and focusing on experiences today and how those shape us. This pandemic has not been easy on anyone. Mm-mm. And it hasn't been easy on parents. It hasn't been easy on educators. It hasn't been easy on children. It hasn't been easy on any human being. And this has been a good amount of time now that we've been in quarantine or we've been, you know, self-isolating and we've been away from human existence and or at least, you know, social distancing or whatever it may be. And so this is going to have a direct impact on our kids, on us. We need to recognize that first as educators, as parents, but also on kids. And, you know, really, really open our eyes to that because this right here, these moments that we're living in are going to change the way that we teach. It's going to have to. It's going to have to change the way that we teach and change the way that we parent and already has moving forward. And so being open to that, opening your eyes, recognizing things are not always going to be done like they were done in the past. That is gone. That is over. That does not, that no longer exists. And so recognizing that these very experiences that we are going through now, what kind of role are they going to play? How are they going to play a part as our children progress through school, as we progress as parents, as we grow and develop as educators, mm-hmm. and not really being afraid of that, not really letting that cause us anxiety or because, you know, I struggle with anxiety. Everything causes me anxiety, but I'm trying to really reframe it to not allow it to cause me anxiety, but, but to be hopeful for how will this make us a better generation? Yeah, there's yes. going to be things that we're going to have to address. Yep. Yeah, there's going to be certain gaps and certain weaker areas. And yeah, I'm sure some anxiety and some traumatic experiences. But how are we going to use all of this to develop strength to make us a better generation during this pandemic? So better to recognize generation. that this experience too is shaping us every day. Everyday experiences are constantly changing, developing who we are as people. And that is true for our kids too. It's very empowering. And especially when you think about the positive outlook that you just had on what our generation can do because we've all our generation has heard about the greatest generations before us and what they've went through and people always say these millennials or generation whatever has never gone through what uh, the baby boomers did or what our great-grandparents did well this is our opportunity to go through something that's very traumatic this that doesn't just only impact america but it impacts the world and so i think this 
situation in this quarantine has giving given us the 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 kick in the butt but also the okay to make mistakes for things that we've always wanted to do but we were just fearful to do it and it's changed the way that we think about everything and the way we tackle different components and obstacles and problems in our life and that's okay and it's having the okay to take those steps, I think, during this time period that will last. And I think that's what our generation is really going to be known for. I'm going to leave it with this. When you open yourself up to start making mistakes, you start making history. There you go. And this is the perfect opportunity to make do that. History. So, Make history, people. Think about your experiences. Reflect on that. Think about how that is driving you and how that is making you, you know, the the parent that you want to be or maybe the parent that you don't want to be, right? The teacher that you want to be, the teacher that you don't want to be. And there are both sides. Every day I see myself as a parent that I want to be and I also see things that I do that's a parent that I don't want to be. That's going to be an ever ongoing battle. But constantly reflecting on those experiences and really pulling from those to, to find strength and to, to really find your best teaching self, your best parenting self. So... It's okay to make mistakes because, like I said, that means we're making history. Making history. Let's do it. Thank you so much for joining us for another podcast episode. We are so excited to be able to um, tackle another conversation with you next week as we all continue to walk this, this journey of being educators together because we truly are better together. That's it. Until next time. The new EDU is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfush. And edited by Andrew Weller. With production support from Sterling Coates and Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The new EDU podcast is a 3% chance production.